Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. Awesome. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, Colossians chapter 3. Um, the Lord has had me specifically in a journey of discovering, um, you know, how to lead again, right? Like, like there's things that happen in fruit that you see in your life or you see on a team or you see even in a community that you're leading and you go, I don't like that. Anybody ever look at your family and you go, I don't like that. Like a kid behaving, you know, real weird. You're like, oh, I don't like that. Right? You find, you find things that, <laughs> I just saw a mom elbow bump. That was, <laughs> I love it. The reality is, is that there are things that we recognize in our life that we're like, oh, I don't like the way this is going. Amen? And when you discover that place of, I don't like the way this is going, we have a choice on what we are going to do about it. We can keep going with the flow and acting like there's no problem and it's all going to iron itself out in the wash, which I think is most of us, right? We're like, well, I'll just wait and see if it changes. And sometimes with kids, it's really appropriate. Right, Because they're going to grow and mature. You keep steering them in the way that they're going to go. And they've got that awkward phase of whatever. And you just got to deal with it. Okay. You know, we've got two kids in their 20s and a 9-year-old. So it's like we've done seen those phases. Right. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the realities of community is that um, uh, oftentimes we're, we're very good at posing or posturing and allowing there to be masks and allowing the, uh, the real self not show up, right, because of fear, right? We're afraid of what the real self is going is to, am I going to be accepted or rejected? That's usually number one, right? If I really expose who I am or I expose my issue or I expose it, then am I going to be accepted or rejected? Um, and the other, uh, there's a bunch of other reasons, and we'll, we'll kind of dig into a little bit, but one of the things that I'm learning about leadership is how do you develop trust? How do you develop trust? Now, I've always said trust is a choice. You get to choose who you trust and who you don't trust. Otherwise, you are not in control of your life. And I'm sorry, but God, God actually made you to be in charge of what you do. You have full responsibility about who you trust and who you don't trust. It's not because of their bad behavior that suddenly you don't trust somebody. That might be a reason to not trust them. Granted, that's a reality, right? Okay, now I got heads nodding to that one. Okay. All right, I blew, everybody's like, huh? And now they're, okay, all right, you're with me. The reality is, is that even when trust is broken, there's a pathway to restore trust. Most of us never choose that pathway. We don't choose it because of hurts, wounds, pain. We don't know how to reconcile it. We don't know how to address it. So from a leadership perspective, from where I stand and look and pray, I go, oh, Lord, help me. Because I don't know how to trust again sometimes. Me. I know everybody's like, Pastor, it's supposed to be perfect. That was, too, that was too big of a laugh, Kim. 
too big of a laugh. And I'm sure that got recorded on the internet now, so. Um, Colossians chapter 3, I believe, is one of the keys to trust building. And it's what we, uh, in leadership culture, we call vulnerability-based trust. Vulnerability-based trust. So many of you know that I own, I own a, a coaching consulting business, marketing company, and I work with business leaders a lot. So I'm constantly reading up on, on different, like, what are dysfunctional teams look like and how do you fix it? And, what, and, and boy, let me tell you, it's rough when you got to apply it to yourself instead of just telling everybody else what to do, right? So... Um, I want to read five verses, verses 12 through 17. I think this is going to be a guide for us because I believe what God wants to do is build a really, really healthy community where the presence and the power of God flow freely without the hindrances, without the hindrances of posture, posing, without the hindrances of not saying what we are thinking and feeling for fear. When there's conflict, whispering to each other in secret about it instead of addressing it directly. These are all things that are common. Most of us even do this in our families with that weird brother that you talk to your other sister about. I mean, we do it. It happens, right? I'm just, we're just going to peel it back a little bit. And I'm just telling you, some of you might feel exposed today. That's a good thing because what you do with the exposure will set you up for your destiny. What you do when you're like, oh, I might might be blowing it there. Okay, don't get mad at me, please. I mean, that's usually the first thing. Like, I'll get get the hate mail via an email that week, you know, or some other other thing about how (laughs) you read my mail to the whole church. No, I didn't. This is just for us to receive. If it feels corrective, let it be. Amen? Okay, are you guys okay with that? Okay, good. All right, for everybody else, we'll pray for you. Okay. (laughs) Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Say bond of perfection. And the peace of God, rule and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Will you pray with me? Father, I ask that this morning you would open our hearts to see what it means to trust again. To see what it means to trust in your kingdom, not ours. And Father, I ask that you would would awaken within us the spiritual truths of your love. 
Father, because we've been set aside, we've been set apart as holy, we are elect, called of God, we are loved by you, that there are some things that we must do in order to actively choose love as a response. So, Father, I pray that you would teach us this morning how to move forward in this community in a manner that brings revival. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. When it comes to healthy communities, trust is always about vulnerability. Team members, community members who trust one another, learn to be comfortable being open with one another. We learn to be comfortable being exposed to one another, being exposed with our failures, being exposed with our weaknesses, being exposed to one another. This is not common in our community or society because we all have this really big, crazy desire for self-preservation. <laughs> the idea of putting ourselves at risk for the good of others, it's not natural. And it is rarely rewarded in life. At least not in the ways that most people expect to be rewarded for their vulnerability, right? Let me just say this. Vulnerability is not just about revealing data about yourself. I could tell you my life story and you're going to learn about, a lot about me. And hopefully you get a better grid on how to see me. Right? That's why we do uh, Myers-Briggs tests or the Enneagram, or any of these personality types, strengths, find, like we can go down the list of all these. We do that so we can have a better grid on how to understand each other. That still isn't vulnerability. It can help it, but it's not it. Vulnerability is when you learn to expose your weakness, not just your data. I'm not saying you got to expose it to everybody, but we all need some people around us that we can expose our weaknesses to. It's critical. Critical. I'm so grateful over the last three years to have some people and mentors in my life and friends that I can just be exposed to. And they still love me. They're still with me. I'm just like... Here's my failures, here's my fault, here's my issues. And they're like, okay, thanks for telling us. Let's walk together. Let's figure this out together. And it's funny because they end up exposing themselves to me. And we've got this beautiful friendship, beautiful relationship where they're like, I'm bringing my struggle, I'm bringing my pain, I'm bringing these things that... That, that I feel a little bit exposed in, right? One of my, one of my, one of my, my, my I don't want to compare mentors, but he's a big one in my life. We had a conversation this week, and he told me about, that we were talking about trust, and I'm talking about what the Lord's showing me, and he's like, there's a big, there's a, a very large prophetic name that worked in his ministry for a long time, and he said, I wouldn't trust my kids with them. I was like, like it hit me because I'm like, wow, 
That is a huge, that's a huge statement to make about someone who's amazingly gifted and skilled in the Lord. But there's a trust that was broken at some point that never got repaired. After multiple attempts in many years, it's still sticking. This is not easy. It is, not, it is hard work. But you know what he said was, if people are willing to go there and they're willing to walk it through, now you've got a chance. If you're willing to have the hard conversations, now there's a chance. I mention all that because how we choose to relate to one another is a choice. I believe revealing data about ourselves and our experiences and what God's showing us and teaching us. Like you sharing with me your revelation of what God showed you is not vulnerability. It's you sharing revelation. Now you sharing with me your latest failure, that's vulnerability. You sharing with me your weakness, that's vulnerability. That's being open and vulnerable. Because I'll tell anybody about the revelation God gave me. What well, makes me special? No, nobody. Doesn't make, doesn't make anybody. I, I, I got this thing from the Lord. I'm going to give it to everybody. Right? That doesn't make you vulnerable. What makes you vulnerable is when you expose your weaknesses. Are you with me? Okay. Whew. Good. We're making it through. Trust is built when we are exposed and we risk that exposure without the guarantee of success. When we risk our exposure without the guarantee of success. Vulnerability-based trust is founded on, predicated on this simple and practical idea that people who aren't afraid to admit the truth about themselves, people who aren't afraid, like to, to build trust, the people who aren't afraid of being exposed and telling the truth about themselves, it builds trust because those are the people who aren't going to engage in wearing the masks. They're not going to be the ones who... I hate to say it in church, but participate in political behavior. When you're on a team, you don't want somebody who's just going to waste your time because they're not being honest about themselves or about others. Makes it really hard. Now, let me just tell you, as a family of God, we have to start being more honest and open and broken with each other. Because if we are not willing to do that, we will have a form of godliness and we'll deny the power. We can't really support each other without truth. We can't really help each other without truth. I can lean really heavily into what God downloads in me, but that's always going to be skewed because I can't see you clearly because you're not exposing who you really are. Man, this is hard stuff. Because it's a risk, isn't it? It's a risk, and it might not end well. <laughs> That's the fear. What if we get rejected? What if 
They take that personal information and they make it juicy and send it down the telephone chain. Ah, that is not fun. So trust begets trust. Vulnerability opens the door to more vulnerability. And guess what? People are going to get it wrong. This is the risk we take. To be open and honest and have people not respond the right way. I'm not doing it for their response. I'm not doing it for their opinion of me. Like I said, it shouldn't go, lots of things don't need to be broadcast off the platform, amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. There's this classic story of, of uh, the paint bucket. If you ever read Culture of Honor by Danny Silk, one of the worst things you can do is put somebody's failures on the platform and throw a grenade, like a, a five-gallon bucket of paint and throw a grenade in it and ask that guy who you just blasted from the platform by putting his garbage up on the platform and you throw the grenade in it and that paint goes everywhere, it's impossible for that person to clean up that mess. It's impossible for them to clean it up. I've never seen it end well. This is why in most denomination and church cultures, when people mess up, they change churches. Why? Because we just blew them up on the platform, right? I've been one of those people on the platform with the grenade and the bucket before. I've also been one of those that's on the platform when it was covered. I've experienced both. Because guess what? I'm not as high and mighty as you think I am. I'm not as right. I know. I'm blowing your mind right now. I'm not as righteous as you think I am. My marriage is healthy. Ministry is good. Our family is healthy. All of our kids are serving Jesus, which I just praise God. Right? Like blessed beyond measure. But I've failed many times. Let me just tell you, restoration happens when you can be brutally honest with the people around you. Then they can restore you. And not everything deserves the public announcement. Some things do. Not everything does. And how those things happen really is about how much we trust one another. Amen? Okay. So I, I made a statement just a moment ago, and we're going to dive back into Colossians 3. I just want to lay some groundwork here um, so we can close out this concept well. Vulnerability-based trust is predicated on the simple and practical idea that people who aren't afraid to admit the truth about themselves, people who aren't afraid to admit the truth about themselves, are not going to engage in the kind of political behavior that wastes everyone's time and energy and, more important, makes the accomplishment of results an unlikely scenario. Things aren't going to happen. They're not going to get done because we're in political theater time. Everybody's got their masks on. We're posing. We're posturing. We're 
guarding ourselves. We're not doing what we're actually supposed to be doing. Right? So what is this political behavior in church? Well, I've mentioned it. It's putting on masks, posing and posturing to look better than we are, seeking status and glory instead of serving others. Not saying what we're feeling and thinking for fear of rejection. Or oftentimes we don't say what we're thinking is because we actually know that what we're thinking is not right. So we don't say it then either, which is called self-control. And we just praise God for that. Okay, that some of you just don't say what's on your mind. We say hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. But you actually, you, because you know that your thought is inaccurate according to what God is saying, good, I'm glad you don't say it. But we'll behave as if it's true. This is why we whisper in secret instead of have honest conflict. We avoid conflict because we don't trust one another. If we really trust one another, we can have an open, honest dialogue and disagree and be okay if there's trust. We've been reading this book um, for our uh, leadership and uh, our minister and training group and intercessors called Leadership and Self-Deception. And one of the things that you find out is oftentimes we will see a situation, we see people, and we inflate our virtue. We make ourselves look really good to ourselves. And then other people's faults we make really big. Right? So we're now seeing people through the lens of their faults being huge. But look how good I am. Right? We have this place where, and we see it over and over, that oftentimes people in, in responding and reacting and talking to other people, we will, we will give ourselves the excuse that the reason why we're not doing what we're supposed to do is circumstance. The circumstance is holding me back. But when someone else is doing something wrong or that we don't like, we blame it on their character. But when we look at my problems, like, let's just, let's just say, I know some people who are called to ministry, and they keep hitting a wall, they keep hitting a wall, and every time they blame it on circumstance. Every time. It's never character, it's circumstance. But when other people have a problem, it's their character that's the issue. Isn't that funny how we do that? Guess what? We're not being honest with ourselves in those situations, and we're not being honest about what God is doing or what he's trying to say or what's happening because we are deceived. Is everybody doing okay? I felt like I just stepped on a bunch of toes right there. Are we doing all right? Okay, cool. We have to be willing to be exposed with those we are in relationship with concerning our misses, our mistakes, and our failures we have to take ownership and walk this Colossians 3 out, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, having tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness. Like that has to mark us. It has to be how we respond because guess what? Nobody here is perfect. Everyone here is missing it and we're going to have to develop and build trust with one another. So why don't we err to kindness? Why don't we err to tender mercies? Why don't we err to humility and say, you know what? I'm not good either. I'm not that good either. What if, I mean, what if we just really got down to this place of real humility with one another? 
The key to all this is to become comfortable being exposed. It makes me uncomfortable talking about being comfortable being exposed. It's like, I don't want to be comfortable being exposed. Here's some key phrases that I think really help you gauge how exposed you're willing to be. How often do you say, you know what, I was wrong? How often do you say that? How often do you ask people for the feedback on what you got wrong in the situation? I've seen leaders feel like they can walk on water. They can do no wrong. And somebody says, you know, you could have improved on that. Well, I can, I can basically ignore what you're saying because I know better. You know, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Did you know that? Yeah. Number one key to leadership is humility. Period. I was talking to Dennis about that this week. One of the realities is if you can't look for where you missed it or allow people to show you where you missed it, you're full of pride. So I was wrong is such a beautiful statement to the Father because it's honest. Because if you think you're right in everything you do, you're deceived. And the excuse that you've made, whether it's, I heard God, which is a horrible excuse. Do you you guys know what I'm saying here? Listen, many of us refuse to humble ourselves because we think we're hearing God clearly. God opposes the proud, he gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Why is there a constant roadblock in your ministry, in your life, in your path, in your family? Why are all those roadblocks there? Well, God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Humility opens doors. When was the last time that you had to confess and repent to your spouse? When was the last time that you had to admit you were wrong to to a good friend? When was the last time that you had to take that humble position and say, you know what, I made a mistake? When was the last time you went to somebody and said, I need help? I can't figure it all out on my own. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. I need help. Those are the places of real vulnerability. I made a mistake. I was wrong. I need help. I'm not sure. Oh, that's a place of vulnerability, especially for us problem-solving men. Oh, I'll fix it. I'll figure it out. What do you need, babe? I got you. I'll figure it out. I'm not sure how to fix that problem. Is a great answer. It's humble. Sometimes we need to be open and honest and admit to our peers, you're better at at that than I am. (laughs) We have a 
We have a process that we want all of our leaders to learn because in leadership, you recognize that you make a lot of mistakes. You recognize in a marriage, you realize you get things wrong. Every husband says, amen. All right, every wife says, okay. I know this isn't applying to anybody here, but when we get it, we, how many of you know you get it wrong? Yes. So we talk with our leaders. We talk, we train all the time. What's the best way to get resolution and restitution and reconciliation? Admit you were wrong first. It was wrong of me. It was wrong of me to have believed a lie about you. It was wrong of me to assume. It was wrong of me to try and hide something. It was wrong of me. Whatever it is, acknowledge your part. Take responsibility. I was wrong. And then ask for forgiveness. Please forgive me. I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let me tell you what this does. It opens the door for actual vulnerable reconciliation to happen. Me coming to you and saying, Ben, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. All that's saying is I am sorrowful. Great start to feel bad about what you did. Amen? I'm sorry is a great start. But it doesn't actually bring reconciliation in a relationship. Until I say, you know what? What I did was wrong. Please forgive me for my part. Now he's got an open door to either forgive me or not. That's on him. Are we good? Okay. Great. Seems like everybody's feeling a little worn down by this message. Okay. Listen, if we can bring ourselves to really speak these words when the situation calls for it, we aren't going to learn to trust one another. If we don't learn to say the words when the situation calls for it, we're not going to learn to trust each other. We're going to waste our time and energy thinking about what we should say, wonder about the true intentions of our peers, make bad assumptions. We're going to read their minds poorly. For our church to establish real trust, we all, beginning with the leader, must be willing to take risks without a guarantee of success. We will have to be vulnerable without knowing whether that vulnerability will be respected or reciprocated. It might not, but we have to begin to take the risk. Our path to revival in the presence of God moving in our midst relationally is through trust, learning to trust one another. You know what distrust does? It breeds what I call the four C's. It breeds contempt for authority. It breeds complaint. It breeds control. And it breeds conspiracy. Distrust breeds those things. And we, we, we have to put ourselves in a position to begin to trust one another. Now, let me just say this. There are broken relationships in this body right now. Many of us have put on our mask and we're covering it up because we do love them. And we want to be in relationship with it. I'm sorry, we're a normal church. 
in some ways. With humans in it. We have hurts. We have different things that happen over the years. Right? It is really good to be honest with yourself first about that. And then go to that person. That's the biblical model. Hey, I've been struggling with this and here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on for me. Have a conversation. Be open. Be honest. Ask questions instead of release judgments. Ask questions instead of releasing judgments. Colossians 3 says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Why do we need long-suffering? Why? Because we got to bear with one another. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Forgiveness is not an option when truth is on the table. You can choose not to, but you're going to have to deal with the Lord on that. Above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It's the perfect thing that ties us together. Is We put on love. Putting on is an action. It's something that we choose to do. I choose when I don't feel like it sometimes, I'm going to choose tender mercy. I'm going to choose kindness, humility, meekness. I'm going to choose these things. And I'm going to choose to love and forgive even when I'm struggling with it. And if you're honest about it, you can say, I'm going to be even more vulnerable and say, I don't want to forgive you right now and I'm having a hard time with it. That's okay. It's better that we expose ourselves and take the risk of being honest than to not. I love that when trust is built, the fake facades get removed. Instead of tension, there's peace. Instead of tension, there is peace. I imagine that if there's tension in your marriage, there's a conversation that needs to happen. Would you agree? Married people are like, mm-hmm. If there's tension, <laughs> except for Richard. So, so the reality is that tension is not peace. And there's probably a conversation that needs to happen. And if we can be open and honest and vulnerable in those places and expose ourselves a little bit without with taking the risk that they might not receive it well or that they might reject you or that you're not going to get valued the way that you thought you would, if you're willing to take that risk, you are able to walk in truth and the peace of God will rule your hearts. We don't have the peace of God because we're withholding our hearts from Him. Because when I am self-preserving, I'm taking God's role of being my protector. 
All right, let's stand. Father, I pray that this morning the word of Christ would dwell in us richly in all wisdom, in all teaching, and in all monishing one another, that we would build each other up with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that we would sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. God, I thank you that whatever we do in word or deed, that we do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, I thank you that you are awakening a new season at Harvest Valley and a new season in North Idaho where we are no longer hidden, where we are no longer afraid, no longer living in a place where we are afraid of being exposed and we hide, but instead we can walk in the redemption of the blood of Jesus in our faults and our failures and our mistakes. We have our eyes on you. We can learn how to have trust for one another again. So, Father, I'm praying that if there's any broken relationships in this room, that this would be a week for salvation, a week for restitution, a week for reconciliation, that this would be a season of being honest with each other. Father, I pray that there would be a special grace that we would choose because we are chosen by you because you've made us holy, because you've loved us, that we would put on tender mercies, kindness. We would put on humility. We would put on meekness and long-suffering, that we would bear with one another and we would forgive one another. If anyone is complaining against one another, that we would stop it and we would forgive. God teaches to forgive freely without waiting for them to come to us. Teach us to forgive freely regardless of how they interact with us or respond to us. Help us to give that away because of your love. So Father, I'm praying that you would fill us with your love so we can walk this out in righteousness and wholeness. Some people believe that vulnerability is about time. And I've spent time with people and got nowhere because it wasn't honest. So, Father, I pray that you would just teach us to spend time together honestly. Honestly. Father, I repent for I've, when I've withheld the truth. Not said what needed to be said. Lord, teach us all how to walk this out. Father, I thank you and praise you for what you're doing. Will you put your hand on your heart this morning? Father, I pray that you give every person in this room a tender heart towards you, a tender heart towards your word, a tender heart towards those around them. Father, that they would be flooded with your mercy right now that those hardened areas of their heart would be softened by your tender mercies towards us. Father, we thank you that you're changing us and shifting us. So start with our heart, God. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, that was a fun one. There was a lot there. It'll be online this week. Uh, The emails will be coming out again this week. Um, 
If you're here with us for the first time, Sassy, you fill out one of those visitor cards uh, and just mark off if you want to get the uh, newsletter. I write an article every week, and then we also have uh, that last week's uh, sermon on there. Um, all those come out every week. So uh, if you want that, great. We'd love to get a hold of you, pray with you if you have any prayer needs. Um, we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.